0: I waded back into the triathlon waters last month at the Ironman 70.3 Pennsylvania Happy Valley event. Uh, The half-distance Ironman was based in State College, which is the home of Penn State where I went to school, and we got to finish by running through the tunnel at Beaver Stadium, which for those who don't know, is ginormous. It holds like 110,000 people for real. And not that it was packed for our event, but it was still really pretty electric. We got to finish up on the 50-yard line while they broadcast our image on the big Jumbotron, and it was just a very, very special finish line. And if I'm honest, being at my alma mater and that really cool finish was a big part of what inspired me to dive back into Swim, Bike, Run after 15 years away from it. And I knew when I signed up, that I was going to need a coach to do it right. Because if I tried to coach myself, I would get impatient and probably push myself too far, too early, especially in the run where you're more likely to get injured. So I contacted Erin Carson, who has been on our show. She trains many high, high level triathletes. And we have had her do her amazing mobility sessions and our Level Up membership. And I just love her. So I called her up and I said, hey, do you know anyone good? I'm doing this thing again. And she connected me immediately to Marnie Sambal of Try Marnie Coaching and Nutrition. And holy shit, what an amazing coaching experience. I did my strength and mobility work through Erin Carson's EC Fit, which I highly recommend her mobility sessions are second to none. And Marnie prescribed all of my swim bike run workouts. And I not only thoroughly enjoyed the process, but also never felt so much as an ache or a niggle during the seven months that we worked together. And really the best part is that I felt like a three-sport athlete again. Running was a joy, and I got that feeling for the water when you actually know what you're doing while you're swimming. And I'm still running, and I'm still swimming, and that was the point. I wanted to get back to feeling uh, multidimensional again as an athlete, so... You know, I always encourage women, and men for that matter, to work with a coach when they have a big goal, because it can make such a difference. And I think it's even more impactful during this time of life when our risk for injury can rise and our training and recovery needs change. So I thought it might be insightful to pull back the curtain and talk about what the process looked like with Marnie this week. And as you'll hear I think the most important factor is finding someone who listens to you and really gets you. It makes all the difference. Marnie is multifaceted. She's an author, she's a board certified sports dietitian, master of science in exercise and physiology, a 19 time Ironman finisher, and five time Ironman World Championship finisher. She was fifth in her age group in the 2021 Ironman World Championships in St. George. And in 2017, at Ironman Chattanooga, she was the overall female amateur, which is a long way of saying she really knows her stuff. And you can hear how passionate she is about the sport and has so much insightful wisdom. So I hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. You can learn more about her and her work at com. I will link that in the show notes so you can check it out. All right. Before we get to it, as always, please check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Beisty Menopause. Sign up for that free weekly menopause blog I put out each and every week at menopause.com. You can learn more about our Level Up Menopause membership where we have people like Erin Carson come in and talk to us every month. And uh, remember, you can always send me voicemail questions at our SpeakPipe webpage, and that's in the show notes as well. All right. Before we get to it, very quick thanks to Prevanex for their long-time support. I get the most amazing reviews for their Joint Health Plus product, which I 100% swear by. And in this one, Tammy says, the balm active people have been waiting for. I severely sprained my thumb and it didn't seem to be healing. After taking Joint Health Plus for a week, it was back to normal. Made me a convert right away. Now I've been taking it off and on for about six months, and my daily aches and pains I was getting in my joints have diminished more than I ever expected. I'm a runner, cyclist, and weightlifter, so I have a lot. <laughs> I've even got my mom hooked on Joint Health Plus. Great stuff. Can't say it better than that, Tammy. And thank you, Previnex, for your continued support from pretty much the beginning. All right, enough of me. Let's have a few words about our awesome sponsors and get on with the show. As a lifelong runner and cyclist, I am stoked to announce that Tifosi Optics has come on as a podcast sponsor. The beauty of Tifosi sports glasses is that they hit all the marks. They are shatterproof polycarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance and complete eye protection. They stay put. They have little hydrophilic rubber nose pads that actually get more grippy the more you sweat. So they stay secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in sauna-like conditions. No matter what sport you do, they have a shade for your activity, including tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, and just hanging out at the beach. And they are super reasonably well-priced, which is very hard to find in a sea of overpriced eyewear. And they just look freaking rad. So head on over to tefosioptics.com. And use the code FM, capital F, and capital M, like feisty menopause, number 20, FM20, 20, to get 20% off your order today. I'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Musculoskeletal health is everything during menopause. Everyone knows how much I love Joint Health Plus from Prevanex, which has helped me get back to distance running after arthritic toes stopped me in my tracks. Now they have a product that has become my go-to for muscle strength and recovery, Muscle Health Plus. Muscle Health Plus contains all the key ingredients we talk about on this show like creatine monohydrate, essential amino acids, and branched chain amino acids, plus even more cutting edge ingredients like HMB and estrogen that are scientifically shown to increase muscle growth, recovery, and strength. I use it every day during my early morning lifting sessions and there's no question that it helps my power during those workouts and my recovery after. Plus I love having everything I need from the best high quality ingredients in one reasonably priced shake. I've also heard from fellow users who have had bloating or GI upset in the past from creatine that haven't had any of that with Muscle Health Plus. I make my shake with almond milk and espresso, but it's also good with ice cold water which makes the flavor really pop. As always you can get 15% off your first order with the code HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at prevenex.com. That's HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Prevanex.com. Do your muscles a favor and head on over and get some today. Okay, Marty, I'm very excited to do this show with you. I, you know, when we first started this, like that that was in the back of my mind in my pocket. And I think I did share with you. I'm like, at the end of this, I think we should definitely do a show about the process because it was pretty cool.
1: Yeah. I enjoyed sharing the journey with you. I said that so many times because I really feel like it was a journey and it was a true progression of what am I getting myself into? Like, not me as the coach, but, like, <laughs> but I felt maybe like you was the you, coach yeah. for you, the athlete. You know, what am I getting myself into? I want to do this, but I'm not sure. And so managing the emotions and expectations and the process. So I felt like it was a journey. And, and that's what coaching is all about. It's, it's a relationship that you're building and it involves a lot of communication and trust and Uh, being able to hear one another and being able to voice your concerns and thoughts. And you were a great athlete to coach. So that made my job a lot easier. What do you mean by that? Well, like I said, coaching is a relationship. It's a dialogue. So it involves two people. And I felt that you trusted me and you believed in the process. Um, I'm not against asking, like questioning me, but you questioned it in a way of, is this right for me? And can I do things differently? Should I, should I not, you know, without saying it in that way, it was just, you know, I think I need this. I, and then I would voice my concerns or statements sure that's a great idea or you know we really should be focusing on this instead and that's what coaching is all about it's it has to be a dialogue you know your body the best but also with my experience i also need to know what's best for you the athlete so it was just a a great process to share with you um and you were a great athlete to coach because you were very disciplined. You were very dedicated to the training and also you come from an athlete background. So you, you have that template to work with. And so I knew that I knew what your body would be able to handle. We just needed to do it in a way that you stayed healthy and enjoyed the, the process.
0: Yeah. And and I, I definitely want to dig into all of that because I told and I told you this and I told anyone who would listen, like I loved your coaching. Like I really, I've been coached a lot and I love coaching period. I mean, I th- I tell anybody that, um, if you really do want to get the best of yourself, get a coach, even if you are a coach, I have been a coach. <laughs> you know, I have a yeah. trainer. I know what to do. I can write my own plans. It's not, you will never coach yourself as well as somebody else will coach you ever period end of yep. sentence, right? Like that's just the way it is. Um, but I would like to talk about some of those first impressions because um, my big, so to give people who who may not have caught on to this journey when I started that, let me, let me backtrack. So I did um, triathlon many moons ago. It's been 15 years now. I was a mountain bike racer and then I did triathlon just because everybody was doing it it was sort of that late 90s early you know like Mm -hmm. it was in the air and like oh it sounds really fun it felt like recess I'm like oh we're gonna swim and then we're gonna jump on our bikes and now we're gonna like it was just so fun um and I really enjoyed it and then at some point I saw an article in triathlete magazine like I would have written like 16 weeks to Ironman and I'm like I can do 16 weeks (laughs) you know but I didn't know how to swim really I knew how to not to drown and um I didn't understand any. I was like looking at hieroglyphics. I didn't understand any of the swim workouts that they had in the yeah. pl- program. So I I reached out to, to a couple that, uh, they were married at the time, and they—he was a triathlon coach, an Ironman coach specifically. She was a swim coach. I reached out to her first, and she was like, "Happy to teach you." She's like, "But you know, my husband Craig—he's—he's he's an Ironman coach, and you could hire both of us." I was like, "Oh, okay." And I sent him over like all my my mountain bike results and all this stuff, and he's like, "You could qualify for Kona with your bike times." And I was like, "I don't really want to hear that, Craig." Like now we're now we're on not on sixteen weeks to Ironman, yeah. and <laughs> we literally, you know, like. We and we were on 10 months to Man. And I won my age group in Louisville and I went to Kona six weeks later. And then I was like, I'm never doing this again. I just like I I just it wasn't that I was didn't like it. I just there was no motivation anymore. And I got picked up by a mountain bike team, and that was a great thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But I was reading my newspaper, and yes, I still get my newspaper because I know people that work there and I want to support them. Um and they had a Happy Valley 70.3 at Penn State with a finish line on the 50-yard line of Beaver Stadium. And I'm a Penn State alum, and you're not allowed to even look at the 50. Like, you can look at it, but nobody goes into the stadium ever. It's not an open stadium. And I was just like, oh, that sounds cool. And in the back of my mind, it'd been sort of banging around. Like, I missed feeling like a runner. I was starting to feel pretty one- or two-dimensional just riding all the time. I'm not one to say junk miles, but I was just starting to feel like, motions you know just going through motions and There's it was no purpose really, yeah it wasn't really doing anything for me except you know the, the nice things of getting fresh air and whatever and that's great so i literally just signed up that day i was like i can get in shape for a 70.3 i'll never do another full i don't like running on the pavement enough to do another marathon but a 70.3 it sounds like a fun goal that is doable but i do need a coach you know, because I have not run that far or that long. And I don't want to try to put all together these puzzle pieces for myself. And Aaron Carson hooked us up and I sent you this this whole thing, you know, talking about my journey and that I wasn't, I was really concerned about, I didn't want to get back into that headspace of performance because I had spent like a lot of time getting very wrapped up in podiums and getting very wrapped up. You know, like when I raced with with Rebecca Rush, it was important that we got, I mean, that was her livelihood, right? And the pressure of that is a lot. And I, I short, you know, I was out of balance in that my family sort of suffered for that. And like a lot of things suffered for that. And I knew there was a time limit on it. And then I have found this wonderful balance. And I was very like anything that you felt from me was like, I don't want to get that far out of balance again. I was very, very concerned about that. And I also just want to put all this energy into my podcast and all this other stuff. So I just dumped all that on you. I don't even know if I told you how old I was. I'm not even sure what I told you. But I'm curious, like, with all of that and all of that that I laid at you, like, what were your first thoughts?
1: Yeah, I, well, I knew of you from your very experienced athlete and writer and podcast and everything that you do. So I know of you on that level, but I didn't know you as a human. And I really appreciated that you reached out in October and not just you know, 12, 16 weeks before the event, which was in July, so that we had time to build that relationship and I could get to know you. And that is really important when it comes to having a good coach athlete relationship is you need time and i needed time to get to know you even though you wrote down who you are as a individual i need to really know you and your life and how you function and how you think and how your body reacts to the training and plus knowing that you weren't coming from a triathlon background for the past 15 years, it was very important that I build you up very gradually, especially with the swim and the run, because there's a lot of overuse injuries that can occur if we just ramp things up. So I needed time for that and then also time to know how your body was going to react to that training. So I feel like your intro was really helpful, and I think that's important for athletes to Interview different coaches, talk about yourself, don't hide anything about yourself because the coach is not just coaching the athlete, it's coaching the human. And it was important to you that you had that balance. And even though I'm a performance-focused coach, like I would think that many coaches are, I think that there's a difference between being competitive from it being feeling like it's a job, it's an obsession there's specific outcome goals, training and racing becomes pass or fail. And that is definitely a recipe for, for burnout but an injury, but you can still be competitive if you care. And that was important to me is that we get to a place where you care about getting fit, prepared, and enjoying this process. So In my mind, I wanted you to be competitive, but that you are competitive because you care about what you're doing and there's purpose to what you're doing. So it was finding that right balance where it didn't cross over to obsession, but that you stay passionate about what you're what you're doing with your body.
0: A hundred percent. And I, I didn't want to. Um. Because I can put a lot of self-imposed pressure on myself, and feel like there would be times in the pool when my heart wasn't really in it, and I'm like, you can't disappoint her. She's going to be looking at your thing, you know. Like, and it was, it was an internal struggle within myself. I was like, do I? Why am I doing this? Do I care? You know. And there were definitely times, you know, we can talk about that, you know, which that came later. That came sort of like in the in the no man's land of this, you know, where I'm like not in the beginning where everything was fresh and new and not towards the end where everything made sense, but sort of in this, in the middle, I was like, what am I doing? Like, I, like I'm, if I, why is this important to me? I mean, it took a, a long time to find my why again. And I posted about that and we'll talk about it because I did find my why, but it's uh, it was really interesting to go through all the stages of um of emotion that you go through, I think, as any athlete trying to figure out like what you're doing and what the purpose of all this is, you know, especially yeah. when it's not fun, when you're just like, this isn't actually fun for me today. This isn't what I'm feeling like, like I want to be doing. I don't want to be doing 3000 meters in the pool today. <laughs> like that was, yeah. it was the only time, honestly, that it wasn't, it wasn't fun sometimes. But, but before we get to that, I, you know, you did note it, like, were you most concerned about injury for me?
1: yeah and i i believe that a lot of athletes when they sign up for a half iron man that they're very focused on building endurance because i mean it's 70 miles and for the average athlete it's going to take them between five and a half to seven hours that's a long time longer than anything else that you would train for and the distances can feel overwhelming for a lot of athletes and it's very easy to just focus on building endurance but i personally believe in building strong and resilient athletes and in order to do that we need to focus on ways to get you and keep you strong and not just in the mind but also muscles and joints and tendons and so loading you is in a proper way was very important and progressing you but also the specificity of the workouts and how they were designed also enabled you to feel stronger as you progressed and also we did a lot of intensity with with the working out and or with the training and i feel that that also those things together can help athletes prepare for this endurance event but really keeping you healthy you're not going to enjoy the journey if you're injured or getting sick all the time. So you're going to have more fun when, when you're healthy and you can do awesome things with your body. So finding ways to keep you healthy, which you didn't have any setbacks during the entire, maybe just a little allergy flare up, but that's it. Um, but yeah, other, but that's, than, that's that's just other than that, you were healthy through the whole time. Again, I think it's on my part, good programming, but your part, good communication. Yeah, and
0: and you had noted sort of right out of the gate, I mean, before we even started that doing, you know, Erin Carson, who I've had on the show, did connect us. And then she shared with me, you know, her EC fit, you know, programming that we integrated into my training peaks. And you had mentioned, like you said, quote, doing Aaron's easy fit workouts will be really important to reduce risk of injury getting back into running. Um, what specifically about that do you think is helpful?
1: I really like Aaron Carson's mobility. I mean, she has so much experience, so she knows what she's doing. And even for myself as an athlete, I have noticed that I stay healthy and I perform better with the mobility. And the reason for that is a body that moves better can perform better and can accept load better. And we, in your training and how I coach our athletes, we do a lot of strength work. We're doing paddles in the pool, we're doing big gear work, we're doing hills, um, we're doing a lot of strength-based work. So we don't need to necessarily do that in the gym, although I'm a big fan of it and I think it's good. But for what I felt would work best for you is if we can keep you mobile and keep with functional or purposeful, mobility and movement so that your brain can communicate better with your body and that it primes you for these upcoming cardio workouts. Because we don't need to add more cardio. We don't need to add more training. We're we're trying to work with your available time. So if you can move better and feel better during your workouts, then that is going to allow for better consistency, which will then help with uh training adaptations so the mobility is really important i think a lot of athletes they skip their warm-up or they rush into the workout they're sitting a lot like yourself you know very hunched over or on the computer and if you bring that to a workout your body's not going to perform as well plus i also think what's great about the mobility especially when you do it before you start a cardio session is it allows you to get in tune with your body. It allows you to say, you know, my right hip is a little tight today, or you know, I'm not feeling very well balanced, and I, I have something in my neck, or wow, you know, this was very exhausting for me, and it shouldn't be. So, it you then can bring a sense of control to that workout by identifying what could be potential weaknesses for this workout or what do you need to focus on, uh, to help you so that you don't get injured. So it gives a lot of body awareness or intuition if you're present during that mobility session.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And her, what she also does that I like quite a bit is that her programming is a lot about being able to fully access your muscles. I mean, she uses that language quite a bit and, yep. You know, if you are running on your bike or whatever, and you don't have your hips are locked up and you don't have full access to your glutes and your other muscles, then you're just not going to get you're going to use more energy, more likely to get hurt, not going to get the most out of yourself. And yeah. it's, you know, I've I've done her stuff before. It's quite simple. And it's easy to it's easy to be like, why am I doing this? You know, it's right. easy to be that to have that. but um, it really does make a big, it really does make a big difference. Yep. And, um, and to your point that like, that's one of the things that I like about it too, is I, I can feel like when, and it does tend to be my right hip that gets a little sticky, you know, and then I just give it that much more attention and it just stops you from ignoring something that down the road, maybe three, four months, who knows, you know, will could turn into something.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I really, I really enjoyed that. I, I, I sometimes would, uh, you know, I, I, I would cut corners here and there on it. I have to be honest because I like some of it was like a 50 minute foundation workout. I'm like, I don't know if I want to do all that, but I always did like the stuff that I knew worked for me. Like that, I kept in, and I really appreciated she would have. It was a day that she had like, um, I don't know what kind of yoga it was, but it was basically just lie on the floor with a bunch of pillows.
1: <laughs> pillows, yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, It's just
0: like, my husband's like, what are you doing? I'm like, my workout. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, So let's go, let's go into the pool. I, you know, um, I never swam with that many toys in my life. Like I was just like snorkels and buoys and straps and paddles. And, um, do you do that with everybody? Do you have that kind of apparatus with all your swimmers?
1: yep yeah. so we call them toys um so lots of toys we use the snorkel we use um ankle straps or we found that just putting the buoy between the ankles and then wrapping it up with the ankle strap can be effective or more effective than just the strap uh, kickboards fins and then the finis agility paddles um. So a specific type of paddle. So we use a lot of toys when we're swimming and there's a few reasons for it. And then also we're, we're big, I'm a big proponent of um, buoyancy shorts, like from Roka um, that are kind of like the short shorts version of a wetsuit as well. And, you know, for a lot of triathletes, they don't come from a swimming background. I come from a swimming background. I've been swimming for over 30 years and I know, I feel more comfortable in the water than on the land. So when I get in the water, I know how to hold myself in the water. I know what good body position feels like. I know what bad body position feels like. I know how to move myself forward in a very efficient way without exerting a lot of energy. I have multiple speeds in the pool. And these are all things that I strive for triathletes to acquire. But in order to do that, we need to accomplish a few things. Number one is you need to know how to have good body position, how to have good tautness, how to have good alignment, um, how to have good propulsion. And unfortunately, with swimming, it is such a skill based sport and you don't really know what you're doing wrong uh, unless you have somebody watching you with experience or you see yourself on camera, it, and then it's hard to make those changes. So the nice thing with the, the toys is it can give you awareness of what you should be feeling. And then when you remove those toys, it then allows you to try to feel that same thing. So as an example, when you have the snorkel on good alignment, so keeping your head straight, you don't have to turn your head to breathe. You can then pay attention. Are, am I crossing my arms? You know, what's happening when I am turning my head to breathe and how is my body then changing? Am I noodling in the water? Am, am I doing, am I not catching the water or entering properly um, the, the buoy? a lot of athletes say, I swim so much better with the buoy. Well, because you're lifted up. And so that's that tautness or that core. So they're not, they're not, they shouldn't be used as, as band-aids that the only way you can get through a swim is putting fins on in a snorkel. You know, we want to use the fins for ankle flexibility and to feel that fluidity. Um, we use the the ankle strap with the buoy at the, at the ankles so that you are forced to only use your arms and how do i move myself through the water with only my arms so all of these toys are very effective but they also can be effective when you need to swim easier and that's important you know if if swimming always costs a lot of energy then there's no easy days and we need Swimming is a great therapeutic tool to relax the body and to move blood without being weight-bearing. So putting on the buoyancy shorts, putting on the snorkel, I often do a lot of my warming up with the the buoy or the snorkel just so I can ease into it and kind of feel the water but not worry so much about technique, just get that warm-up. So the toys can be really helpful. And, and then we progress to a point where... Either we're doing intensity with the toys, which then can serve as a different component, you know, using the paddles for strength or using the the ankle strap for for strength. Um, But then we'll get to a point too, where hopefully we can use and do no toys and accomplish the same thing. But we also know that if you, the athlete starts to feel like, your form is being compromised, you then know which toy you can put on for maybe a 50 or 100 to reset and then get back to normal swimming again.
0: Yeah. And it definitely, it's it's funny how you do really feel that when you go from like working on the form with it and then take it away. It's like, oh, okay. Like this is what it should be feeling like. I mean, I could definitely feel that connection. And I will say, And I know I'm not alone for the people who find like swimming at some point to be boring, you know, because it's so repetitive. It definitely is a mental relief. Like, there's no question that there's a mental relief that happens like, oh, cool. I'm going to be doing something a little different and with some other intention. And it's a nice mind engagement for those who, like myself, just struggle with like long sets in the pool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. and, And I don't really believe in I think that there's. there can be a place for the long sets but for athletes like yourself who are trying to build that familiarity and technique and endurance in the pool you're better off doing a lot of short stuff which i know you you weren't a huge fan of 20 lots of 25s and lots of 50s because you would lose count and it was very repetitive i like
0: them but but yeah i couldn't keep track of them Yeah. yeah
1: but that can be very good because number one You're always going to have the best form when you push off the wall, when you have that tautness and streamline. And especially if athletes don't do a flip turn, you're going to have that opportunity to really be powerful off the wall and feel that tautness for a few strokes. So doing 25s or 50s and having that rest in between can be very effective. It also allows you to not have that form breakdown uh, throughout so that you can actually start to feel different efforts and different speeds. So. Even though we did get to a place where we're doing 300s, 400s, 500s eventually um, and sometimes, but we did a lot of less than 100 and also different sets so that you can just focus on one set at a time without feeling overwhelmed by the magnitude of swimming 3,000 plus yards. I mean, you were swimming on a week that you could swim three times a week. Um, you know, dependent on travel. And then also you have to reserve lanes where you are and pay for that. So, you know, there's a lot of things kind of making it logistically tough to swim. But when you were swimming three times a week, you were getting between eight and 10,000 yards a week. So that's a good number. Even when you're swimming just two times, you were still getting between five and 6,000. So we want that consistency, that familiarity. Um, You want to keep a good feel for the water and you were able to do that just by getting in the pool a lot.
0: Yeah, and I was going to say like it felt like I was actually if there was one thing that surprised me, it was looking and seeing at some points like a number of 3000 plus yards swims. I was just like, "Oh my god, that's a lot." I mean, and then I would see a 4 sometimes <laughs> like we'd get like a 4000 yard and it felt like Oh boy, here we go. It's going to be a long time of going back and forth in the pool. I mean, once we once the lakes opened up and I could get in the open water, it was a whole other ball of, you know, because that I very much enjoy that. Like that that opens up my mind and I'm great. But I mean, is there for someone doing uh because I know some people don't necessarily do that kind of volume training for a half? I mean, is it were you doing that in the pool just because when you get out in the open water, you want to have all that yardage from the pool?
1: I find from my experience with coaching that athletes, there's kind of two camps. One is the swim is the shortest duration of volume and time in a half Ironman. And I feel that a lot of athletes don't take it seriously. Like once I'm done with the swim, then I can focus on the race. Once I get through the swim, Plus, swimming is not logistically easy. You have to jump in a cold pool, take off your clothes before, drive somewhere. You know, it takes a lot of time to do an hour workout. Um, And then you've got this stress of dealing with pool lanes and times. And, you know, it's a tough sport to do. And that also then can make it tough for athletes then to swim often. So you've got some that just don't like to swim or don't think it's it's beneficial. You've got some that are like, well, I'm not really improving, so why bother? And then you've got some that it's it's really challenging. And then you've got some, like myself, who just love to swim. And so people get into those different categories um, or some that don't love to swim, but know that they have to swim a lot. I really want triathletes, and this is around the the all of our athletes that that I coach, we want our athletes to be very swim fit. It's very important for a few reasons. Number one is the most triathlon deaths and DNFs happen in the swim. So swimming should be taken very seriously. And everything I mentioned before, with it being a skill and technique-based sport, that you need, need to be able you need to be in the water frequently i want my athletes to be in the water at least once every three days so they can keep a feel of the water it's like anything gymnastics mountain biking any skill-based sport rock climbing you know you need to feel what you're doing and 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 then you bring that to the next session but if there's a long gap between swims you forget and then you spend that whole next swim trying to feel it again So I want my athletes to be really swim fit when they're going into a race and I want them to have that endurance and that stamina and that ability to know how to move themselves through the water efficiently. And I mean, everybody wants a faster time. They want to improve, but the run is where people remember it the most, but you can gain a lot in the swim. And even if you're not seeing huge gains in terms of times, I mean, I've been swimming for 30 years. If I drop a second, I'm happy. You know, when you're a newer swimmer, you get those big gains, but you you have to work really hard, you know, for those small little gains. And some days you don't feel good and you don't have it. And other days you do, but even if you're not seeing significant gains, if you can start the bike fresher and not yes. as exhausted, that is, that's where you're going to gain a lot. I remember when my husband Carrell, he comes from a cycling background, spent all his life racing, came from a cat one racing bike ground, started into triathlons. And I remember one workout specifically where we swam and we were going to bike after. It was the first time he'd ever done that. Someone who's a fantastic cyclist, no problem, can ride any bike any time of the day. He's at home on two wheels. We swam. He got on the bike. He could barely make it a few miles. He was totally spent. And, you know, most triathletes in programming, don't swim before they bike in training. So it is something that's not very familiar when it comes to race day, but you can just imagine how exhausted a lot of athletes are when they swim and then they expect to be fresh on the bike or fueled and hydrated and ready to to race. So the more prepared you are and the more swim fit you are, just the better experience you're gonna have from a health performance standpoint.
0: Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more, and that was my. That's why I hired a swim coach. I mean, a. I mean, it was going to do an an Iron Man. I needed a swim coach, but I would get out of the water very close to the end, and which is okay. But I would be like, I had burned so much energy because literally I was just not drowning. My swim, I I'll never forget my swim coach's look on her face when she first observed me swim. Like it was definitely like, wow, we have a lot of work (laughs) ahead of us, but. But like learning that technique, I mean, all of a sudden I just got out of the water felt and I felt warmed up, you know, I felt like, oh, right. I'm so ready to go without like, and it's night and day. I mean, it is a hundred percent. I mean, if someone hasn't gotten a swim coach and they feel like they don't know the technique or they're always hard, oh, it's so worth it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you, 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 progressed really well and, and that made me really happy too, to hear how you were enjoying the, the, the swim workouts. And also, I think it teaches you, the athlete, a lot about being uncomfortable because racing is not comfortable and you have to take the whole sport seriously, not just your favorite discipline. And we all love to do things that we're good at. I remember when I was in graduate school, getting my master's in exercise physiology, I love to study things that I knew. I hated studying things that were hard or I couldn't retain. So I would always gravitate. Let me just read this chapter again because it makes me feel good that I know this information. And we're the same way as athletes, right? We we put off, we dread, we don't, you know, some athletes are do gravitate towards, you know, this is my weakness and I I, I love, I want to be better. But a lot of athletes just say, well, I'm not good at it. It's no fun. It's hard. I'm not going to do it or I'm not going to take it seriously. And I think that speaks a lot about the athlete that if you can get to a place where you are not afraid of failure that you know that it's a weakness of yours but you embrace it and you're really committed to self-improvement that says a lot about you as an athlete and also I think you're going to then take that to the race or or your entire triathlon or sport journey and you're going to keep improving because you're you're disciplined and you're dedicated to you know making those improvements and putting in the work
0: and it was just honestly fun to look forward to the swim. I mean, I was psyched. You know, I got there and it was like, this is going to be really fun. I like I enjoy open water swimming. And it was nice to get, and we'll talk about this in a second with the running, but the same thing happened with the swim. I, I remembered that little click that happened when I could when people would always talk about feeling the water and i'm like what like what do they mean mm-hmm. and then i was like oh you know when when you do when you can feel the water and you can feel like when you're really pulling and and working with the water um instead of against it it's it's a really cool sensation so it was i just enjoyed it for that like i enjoyed knowing like lining up that morning, I'm like, I'm very excited. I mean, I like this is exciting to get into this this big lake and swim to all these different buoys. I mean, I just it it just feels like play to me, and I actually really do enjoy that. That's part great of it. to hear. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, of all the transformations, like the running really made me um, the happiest. You know, because I I I do like running. I'm not. I'm I'm definitely a cyclist. I'm I, I'm built like a bike rider. You know, I have that. I mean, I, that's just my main identity in my main sport but there's something about running i very much enjoy i tend to run on the trails i don't tend to run on the road um but i i had been so hit or miss with it and i would literally go like 9 months you know sometimes without running at all and um there was at some point you know the first couple of longer runs that i did i was like oh here we go and it was i did spend a lot of that time in your head where i'm like don't look at the watch. You don't want to know like that you've only been out here in 7 minutes, right? <laughs> you know like it <laughs> yep. feels like it's been so much longer. Yep. But then there was this point where I was just like I have 90 minutes and I I'm really looking forward to this and I feel like I could run all day and that was the run, that was what I was looking for. Like that little turning point and that happened it took a while. I'll I'll be honest, it took maybe until about a month out, you know, from my, that I really made that, like, I feel like a runner now. And this is amazing. Um, We started with a lot of hill work, you know, and sometimes even like walking or marching up hills. And what was your, what was your method there? Because it, it, it definitely worked. I never had a niggle. I never had anything feel even close to being uncomfortable, you know, in any injurious way. I mean, it was really just mostly like mentally just, okay. You know, just get through this. But like once, once I, like, I love the hill work always like the hill work always. And then at some point, like all the long runs just became enjoyable. And I just, and now I'm still doing them. And it's just like, so nice to feel like I can run for enjoyment and my mind wanders like it does when I'm on my bike. Yeah.
1: The the thing that I want a lot of triathletes to take away endurance triathletes is that, in order to feel prepared for the distance but or to get yourself faster which i think everybody wants to be a faster runner or faster runner off the bike is it's not the game of being faster from speed it's being good at not slowing down and oh, many athletes will think that they need to either just do long distances or they need to do speed work and that's the recipe to prepare and while both of those are fine and can be included that when it comes to speed work on the ground or the flat pavement and the track that you create the propulsion in order to get your heart rate up so it requires a lot of force for your body for what i would say is a, a minimal output that it you know it's so hard to get that heart rate up you have to run so hard or with so much propulsion to get your heart rate up but you get on a hill you even just walk on a hill the heart rate comes up and it's safer for the joints it's safer for with your stride you have a shorter stride you're not going to overstride and yes running downhill can cause some some risk for injury but for the most part Hills is such a safe way to get your heart rate up. So we did speed work. It just looked differently. We did it on the hills and that was a great way to build strength, resiliency, and to t- to accomplish what we needed to accomplish, but in a more productive way. But with your progression with running, which I think every athlete should appreciate is There needs to be steps and every athlete is different. And for you, someone who has great cardio fitness, I mean, you can knock out nine, 10 hour rides, you have very strong endurance, but I needed to make sure that your body could withstand the pounding and that we had, that your brain could communicate with your running legs and move you forward in an efficient way. And to do that, the first thing was just to enjoy running, frequent running, and to run often and not a lot. So a few miles, sometimes off the bike, and just get you accumulating mileage over a course of a week, rather than just seeing this is your long run, this is your uh, hard run, this is your easy run. It was just, let's get some mileage to start getting your body used to the pounding, then the next thing we would do is we incorporated more strides for that neuromuscular activation the brain communicating with the posterior chain and just kind of waking up the body we'd often do those in the middle of the workout or at the end of the workout and also i think it brings a little bit more structure to the workout you have something to focus on sometimes we would do them on hills at the end um so we started to incorporate the strides and then we Once I felt like your body was stronger, we did some hill walking, which is great in the winter time. You know, normally athletes would be on the treadmill, but you prefer to be outside. So the treadmill is a very suitable option. Um, It strengthens the glutes. It allows you to control your core. can even wear a weight vest if you don't have any neck or spine issues. So it just teaches you how to move your body forward without from a strength purpose, building that strength. And so you did it outside which was just fine so we did some hill walking and then we started to incorporate some hills running up hills or rolling hills to add that strength component and work on some of those um, muscles for downhill running as well and strengthen the feet and then eventually we got to a place where you had the fitness now let's do something with it let's focus on pacing let's see how you internalize different efforts now that you have those different efforts now that you know how to run easy you know how to run hard you know you've got a a tempo rhythm now show me that you can then pace yourself which will be very important in the 70.3 show me that you have a, an easy, moderate and hard intensity. And what does that feel like when you're fatigued? What does that feel like in the heat? What does it feel like in the wind? You know, show me that you can do something with your body and you know how to pace yourself. So it was a, it is a gradual progression, but I was also always working with you and your communication. So the coaching was never, here's my plan for you and you have to do it. It was how is she adapting and then how can I progress from that? So it wasn't just looking at the training file. It was also looking at your comments, what you liked, what was difficult. Of course, I'm gonna give you things that you found difficult cause we're gonna get better at them. Um, and of course, if you don't like something, that doesn't mean I'm not gonna give it to you. If I feel like it's beneficial, we'll just find a way for me to communicate why it's important. Um, so it was, it was a gradual progression, but I was really happy with the running and then also how you enjoyed that running progression as well.
0: Yeah, I really did. I loved it. And I never um I never looked at my watch. Like I I did all of that by feel, which was um uh, my wa- my watch would beep and that's what I like about like when it upgrades to like it goes to your it goes to my um my my watch, my Wahoo watch, so it would just like give me a little haptic buzz when it was time to like do another interval and I would glance at it just to see like oh, 30 seconds of this and then it would buzz but I did all the pacing by feel because that's just, I just feel like that's most productive. I mean, that's just how I go, Um, but I really did. It would be very uh, satisfying to me to see myself like, oh, I was able to sort of like maintain all those different efforts by just going by like intuitively how this is supposed to feel. Yeah.
1: And I'm, you know, the, the job of the coach, even though there is a purpose of giving some workouts that are kind of designed for failure, just to kind of, push the athlete and see, I wouldn't necessarily do those with running more so with, with biking because it's a little bit safer, but I'm giving you workouts that I know you can do. It's just how you go about it. And some workouts may look scary on paper. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this, but I'm giving it to you because I believe in you. And I know that you can accomplish it in a safe way. Then my job is to review and to say, okay, well, you were, you know, there was hard efforts and there were easy effort but your heart rate was the same the whole time so clearly you were going too hard at times or you weren't taking the easy easy so you know that was my feedback back to you and then then in my head i say okay well maybe we need to work on some different workouts or maybe i need to specify something differently like you need to walk after this you can't just jog so i would then adapt from that previous session so i think it's important for the athlete that you know I'm giving you workouts that you should be able to do, it's just how you go about completing them. Yeah, yeah.
0: Good sleep. The one thing that sets you up for a great workout and a good day is quality sleep. We talk about it all the time here on the show, which is why I'm stoked to have Lagoon Sleep as a new sponsor. Because one of the most overlooked tools in a great sleep toolbox is the thing you literally rest your head on eight hours a night, your pillow. A quality pillow is everything. Otherwise, you end up tossing, turning, punching, and folding your pillow, waking up with neck pain, and all the stuff that happens when your pillow doesn't meet your personal comfort needs. Say hello to the most comfortable sleep you've ever had with Lagoon. They start you out with a two-minute personalized pillow quiz, and then pair you with your perfect pillow. I got the Otter, a cooling, adjustable pillow that is perfect for side sleepers who run warm at night like I do. It is a dream. It's fully adjustable, so I was able to get the perfect loft and support The beauty of the pillow quiz is you can get the perfect pillow that you need to and make your sleep the best sleep you can have. Go to lagoonsleepcom sleep.com slash play and take the two minute quiz to find your perfect match and then use the code HIPPLAY all caps one word for 15% off your first purchase. Sweet dreams. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are stoked to be working with HEDDAS. HEDDAS designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. HEDA's has unlocked the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research and creates better shoes for women's performance. Some of HEDA's special features include a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing on women's ankle bones, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and accommodate female toe shape, a more narrow and reductive heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take pressure off the Achilles, a rounded instep that creates a snug fit through the middle to match the curvature of a woman's foot, and supercritical foam and a pvex plate in the midsole to keep our legs going when the going gets tough. HEDDAS has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the ALMA Cruise for your long runs, the ALMA Tempo for training days, and the ALMA Speed for pushing the pace. I've been running in the ALMA Tempos, and they are a pleasure to train in. You can get your own pair of HEDDAS at HEDDAS.com and use the code FEISTY20, that's all caps FEISTY20, for 20% off. Check it out today, we'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. I will say, um, moving on to the bike, which we haven't talked much about, uh, kind of ironically, but that—that that yeah. is my sport. I yeah. was—I was actually, it's funny. The for the for the shakeout Olympic distance triathlon, I did. I don't know how far out that was. Maybe six, seven weeks or something like that. Um, I was really nervous about the bike. Like ironically, <laughs> really nervous because I hadn't mentally given it much space in my mind because it's just sort of what I do. But it was egoy important to me, you know, like I did, I wanted to, I wanted to do well. And I was like, what if I don't do well on the bike? Oh, it's going to suck. And I was, I was surprised. I, you know, I, 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 I felt, I crushed the bike. I mean, I read, I did it so well. And I was just like, oh, that felt so good. It was just like glimmers of sort of how I remembered how that felt 15 years ago, you know, to be in a triathlon and just like feeling like I'm flying on the bike. Um I feel like it wasn't our biggest focus. And maybe that's just my own perceptive because it wasn't my biggest focus. And it was definitely times that I didn't listen to you as much on the bike, like doing a nine hour ride when you're like three or if you feel better, you can go longer. <laughs> and I was just like, that was classic. 130 miles. <laughs> but yep. um, I, you seem to have confidence in me there, I I imagine. you know. That, yeah.
1: I mean, I knew your background and you know, we want to build off your strengths. So it would be a mistake to just have you, okay, do whatever you want. You've got bike fitness, right? We want to build from that, but also your background, or at least over the last 15 years, wasn't triathlon focused. So there were specific things that we need to accomplish so that what you do on the bike is going to transfer over to good running as well. And again, going back to our earlier in our conversation, we did a lot of uh, high intensity work, a lot of, you know, on off intervals. But the great thing is that you, you like to ride outside, there's only one time you're on the rollers. Um, Most of our athletes are going to have a combination of trainer workouts and outdoor workouts. And of course, the trainer workouts are easier to accomplish these specific workouts. But what I would do for you is I'd either give you a file, of a workout and then you would kind of have the liberty to adjust it based on the terrain or i would just say include this in your ride so that we had some specificity but then there was a lot of times just because i know even though i'm a newer gravel mountain bike biker um that I know that the terrain can also dictate a lot of intervals. So sometimes I would tell you, you know, go for a two-hour ride, but pick a really, you know, technical, tough course. You get a lot of those up and downs or a gravel ride that has some longer hills in it. So I knew what we wanted to accomplish, but we could do that with the terrain and, and where you live. And then also, you know your body really well on the bike. So it really wasn't necessary to give you um or have the the training be bike focused where a lot of triathletes that is where they can gain a lot when you're very bike fit you have good bike handling skills good terrain management that is going to help you so much not only for the bike but how you run off the bike so there are certain things that we didn't need to focus on for you so much where but i still wanted to make sure we had that specificity and training you know just cuz you're a good cyclist doesn't mean that you can't get better so we wanted to improve cadences we wanted to improve your your thresholds you know there's still things that even at your age and experience that we can t- still tap into
0: yeah yeah 100% and um i could i could certainly feel that it was it was a I, I was very pleasantly surprised because in my mind i i hadn't And again, this is really on my end. I just wasn't giving it as much brain space, even though that you had given me specific things. I'm so, so used to working on the bike. Like it just didn't, I wasn't thinking about it in the same way that I was thinking about the technical training aspects of the running and wondering what you were doing and watching it work, you know, and just, it was very cool, like to there was definitely that day and it was that day that I did that 9-hour ride and then I had my long run after it with like yeah. probably my longest run and I even had like a wreck on the bike you know with a little mishap in the pack and got taken down at speed on gravel and was skinned up but not beat up and just felt amazing on the run that I woke up full of energy and ready to run I'm like I am so ready to go now just don't mess it up you know like yeah. I'm like now my job is just to not like and it's so, like, that taper week, it's so hard to be like, because you don't feel great. And you're like, don't test your legs. Trust the process. Don't test it. Don't, you know, because you do, you don't feel great that taper week. You you kind of, I don't either. I always feel a little sluggish. It It's just not the best feeling, you know. It, so it's, it was really great to uh, to see it come together.
1: Yeah. And I remember that, that long bike that you did. And, um, yeah, when I said, yeah you can go a little bit longer and then it was nine hours, um, (laughs) classic. Um, but that's just part of our relationship together is just knowing, you know, me knowing you and what would work well for you. And then of course, when you did have those adjustments with, um, your training and when you did, um, uh, when you did have those, uh, days where you went longer than i would just adjust and and make sure that it still all made sense for you um, but i do remember that that run that you did and your longest run was about an hour 40 hour 45 but it also had a lot of specificity in it so there was some on intervals that were 10 15 minutes and then some easier and, and you really nailed it and that just showed me that you had that resiliency to be able to bounce back from such a, a arduous ride to with a fall to still be able to take your body to that place where you can show up and, and execute that, that run. Um, the other thing too, is I knew that the swim and the run took a lot of mental energy for you because you were so focused on those and progressing. And then you've got the mental energy of your other tasks in your life. And I still wanted the bike to be a place of freedom and joy. So finding that balance where a lot of the rides were just very unstructured, go ride your I bike. Appreciated that. Um, and then having just a sprinkle of specificity in there. Um, but then I would also be, you know, maybe we don't have the structure on the run. So then the run is just more joyful. Enjoy the run.
0: Yeah, no, I I really did appreciate that. And I felt that all, you know, that the, the event itself, the run was definitely slower than I would have, preferred it to be i did burn a few more matches on the bike knowing that i was burned, because i was just feeling like i was flying on the bike it was such an amazing experience uh, and it was just so much hotter than it had been training up to it so i i had to take it back just enough um but i definitely finished with more in the tank you <laughs> know i, I could have i i did finish going oh ah, you could have run that a little faster but um but uh, but I finished very, very happy. Like, it was a very satisfying um, day for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you put it all together and you put in the work. And um, I think that the run, I think for you, what I think is that it was trying not to go to that place where you didn't want to go to, but then still feeling like you're caring and competitive. And that's a hard place to go into, you know, because I think you do have to be a bit gritty on the run and to to feel like you left it all out there. And yeah. maybe we just need to accept that the run you did was what you needed to do to find that place of happiness and joy and not emptying the tank so that you can but still feel that fulfillment at the finish line. So maybe it wasn't necessarily a bad thing that you felt that way. It was just that was what your mind needed to do on that day so that you could um you know enjoy kind of put a good close on this chapter.
0: That's such a great way to put it. I really appreciate you saying that. I, I do. I'm almost going to cry cuz I feel like I almost felt like that. Oh, I'm letting her down. I should be trying harder out here. But I also was just really enjoying. It. <laughs> like I was just, yeah. you know, I was soaking it in in a way that I wouldn't have soaked it in if I was in my head more. You know what I mean? So I was. It was more of an external enjoyment of the run than a internal. I should be running faster. Am I doing as good as I? You know, I had I had wings for the last mile. I mean, I just like was like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna. Run. Yeah. It's like you have so much more energy than you're giving, but um, but I wasn't like I didn't I didn't finish disappointed. You know, I mean, right. it wasn't that strong. It was just more of a that little voice. I'm like, like eh, you know, you definitely could have run that a little faster, but that's okay. You know, I, I'm yeah. not. I wasn't out there necessarily to prove all of that. Um, yeah. I could have worked on my transitions, too, if I wanted to be more fast. You yeah. know? <laughs> my transitions were nothing to write home about. Like, if I really wanted to go for that kind of time, I could have worked on those a little bit more as well. Um, yeah. And and it, it all, you know, I I worked on my nutrition a lot, too. We didn't talk about nutrition a ton and we can talk a little bit about it here as we wrap up. But uh, that has always been something that has been a moving target for me you know like to get it right especially once you get over I wasn't too worried because I'm usually good within six hours and I knew that this was going to be in that sort of ballpark of a day once I get around eight you know things get you got to really really be careful but I did I was very diligent on all of those rides like traditionally Celine in the wintertime would just be like, I don't need to eat on a three hour ride or whatever. I'm not, I'm just not going to do this, but I did. Like I packed my food, I packed my nutrition and I practice, 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 and it very much paid off.
1: Yeah. The important thing to me was to keep you that I remind you to stay fueled. And even when you had your big training sessions, I would put a note two days out, you know, make sure you start eating, you know, getting the carbs up, hydrating well to just make sure that you're paying attention to things that are going to make a positive impact. Let's not worry about the metrics. Let's not worry about outcomes. Let's worry about things that you can control so that you can stay healthy and perform well, and that your body's going to respond well to this training stress. So to me, it, it was all about just keeping you healthy and nourished and fueled. So those were the reminders that I put into training peaks for you um, just to make sure you're eating enough. Hey, this was a long workout. Make sure you're eating enough after this workout. Um, So those were just those gentle reminders just to pay attention, um, make that little extra effort to to eat.
0: And I will say, and and I shared this with you, but I think it's important for the audience to hear my biggest concern is what what happened is that it we did not have because with a smoky summer, like it was much cooler here in June than it usually is. And we didn't get many h- truly hot days yeah. to practice. And the nutrition changes when it's hot, like my yeah. belly changes when it's hot. And sure enough, you know, it's weekend of July 4th and it got true Pennsylvania summer for that event. And I had a plan that I had been using, you know, with. My, my hydration mix, you know, in like one more concentrated bottle, sometimes I could do two concentrated bottles and then water. And I knew in my mind, I'm like, if it gets hot, this is going out the window or it might go out the window. So mm. I put those bottles on my bike with a plan B going, if you start feeling the sensations in your stomach, like it does not like this. You are going to switch horses at the aid station and like grab a bottle of water and grab some Morton gels and just change plans and that's exactly what I did. Like I got okay. through that high carb bottle and I was pretty good, but I you know grabbed the second and I'm like this isn't going to get me through my day. This isn't working. It's too hot. Um, and then I just grab water. I grab some of those. They I love that they had Morton gels on the course because that's what I like to use and they had they had them and it worked beautifully. But I'm only saying this not to you, Marty, but to people like it is well worth having an alternate nutrition plan that you can know to switch to. So when you're out there, you're just not like, Oh no, here goes this again, my day is shot. And cause that can happen to people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When it comes, cause I, I do nutrition as well. Right. And I am a board certified sports dietitian. So that is a big focus of mine with athletes. And that's really, I'm really glad that you brought that up. First of all, fit athletes are going to do well in the heat or do better in the heat than unfit so taking advantage of those seven months that we had before it got warm was really important to build your fitness because essentially you will have to bring down the intensity in the heat so if you've got a higher threshold to work with then you're still going to be relatively fast um on race day even if you have to dial it back also your body's going to acclimate a lot easier so there's there's great benefits to really putting in the work in the winter um, even though it's not always that much fun and races are so far away and motivation may not be high but you'll be able to adapt a lot better when it gets warmer but also with sports nutrition we just have to remember too that it's good to have a race plan but it's also good to have different plans and you get that from experience and you can get that from experience from racing. You can also get that from training. So I encourage athletes to not get tied to one product, one brand, one flavor. We, we should all have our favorites. I have my favorites, but I also change things up and get used to different things so that if one product doesn't work or it, I, it doesn't um, feel right in that moment, I can deviate and you have that other that other product to use. Also it's important to listen to your body which you did a great job of. I think athletes will often forget about that. It's like sports nutrition is delivered on a spreadsheet which it shouldn't be. You know, you have a plan and guidelines and things that you should stick with, but you also have to listen to your body especially when you're doing these endurance events it's all about troubleshooting all day long. That's why endurance events can be more mentally draining than physically, because you're constantly have to be on. Whereas I think in training, a lot of athletes, Oh, I like to go for these long rides cause I can just kind of zone out. But yeah. you know, for you, we did a lot, even in your bike rides, we did a lot of intervals and in these long workouts. So you had to be on and think about it. So when you get to that race, for 56 miles, you're thinking, how's my stomach? Am I drinking? How's my posture? How's my breathing? You know, you're constantly checking in, then you zone out and then you check in again, and then you assess that information and then you, you deal with it in the best way that you can with the tools in your toolbox. So that's a big part of, you know, training as well, is that you created a lot of tools over the nine months that we work together.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I, I really, really, again, I just, I, I, I think it was such a, such a good relationship, and I really appreciated your coaching. I appreciate your philosophies. I, I'm very happy that I found somebody who uh, would work with me. You know, like the and and my. My ways, yeah, I sometimes, you know, that's why it is good to talk to different coaches, because there are definitely coaches who are just more metric driven, driven, and they don't really want to work with you if you don't have power numbers. And, you know, I've run into that. And I I appreciated that you were willing to work, you know, meet me where I was and take me where I wanted to go, you know, with myself. So thank you for that. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to or thought that was interesting or would like to just leave the audience with?
1: well i think we covered a lot but i just want to speak to your journey because and and i'll include myself as well because i've been doing this sport for 16 years and now i'm deviating to different endurance events so i i see a lot of me and you and I think some athletes can relate and some athletes need to be careful with the information that we've given today. And what I mean by that is when you come from a fitness background, such as yourself, with so much racing history, so much training, you live a very active lifestyle, you've got this tremendous base, and then you decide, hey, I want to do a 70.3 or even an Ironman or whatever. Well then the training can look a little bit different than what coaches may say is that a standard approach. Now, it doesn't mean that every athlete should be on the same training plan, but when you're not as experienced or you're developing or you're a newer athlete, there's there's a benefit and a great need for structure and really staying disciplined to the swim, bike run and, and making sure that you're not skipping steps. So your training for an outsider may look like we skipped a lot of steps in terms of, we didn't do testing. We didn't do, um, uh, you know, trainer rides. We didn't do specific brick workouts. You know, there was a lot of different things But we could do that because you have the experience you come from this experience and that allowed you then to be able to deviate in different ways and be on the gravel bike and the mountain bike and do these nine hour rides because i knew that you would be able to bounce back from it i knew you knew your body well Uh, You took care of yourself. You communicated. So all of these things speak to the veteran athlete that you are. So you came to me with a lot of experience, even though you hadn't done a triathlon in 15 years. But for the athletes that I coach that are training for their first 70.3 or they're just in their second or third year of long distance triathlon, you know, while it's good to spice things up and, you know, change things up i would not say you know let's throw in all these mountain bike races and these gravel races if they don't come from that background i wouldn't say hey let's let's put in oh your friends are doing a you know seven hour ride let's do that because that's skipping steps and we need Mm. to be respectful that the body is not there yet and we have a progression that we need to get to and that's going to keep you healthy that's going to allow you to get more out of this journey so i think that's really important that athletes understand that if you're new to the sport your training is going to look different to somebody that it's been in the sport for a decade or more Um, and then also if you have been in the sport for a long time and you're kind of feeling like you've lost your why or you're just doing it because it's familiar maybe it's time to change things up maybe it's time to do things differently to spark that joy to light that fire to rediscover that why again Um, so those are the big takeaways i would give for those who are listening in this chat to just figure out where do you, what camp do you fall into? And then to use that information so that you can stay on your own path.
0: Yeah. And that's, I'm glad you said that because you, you have brought me back to the arc that I was hoping to take with this and I had lost the thread in all of our conversations. So I was enjoying it. Is that why I had mentioned, you know, I'd sort of like was struggling with that and and when once I got to this point where I like I feel amazing, I feel well balanced, I feel like I can feel the water, I feel like a runner, it occurred to me like that was actually my why and to the begin with is I wanted to get back to feeling that. I wanted to get back to feeling like a more of a 360 degree athlete you know and that was once I got there I was like I have already a commission accomplished like the rest of this is just, icing on this great cake. Um, And that had become my why. And I went out for a run this morning. I'm like, that was my why. I mean, like, I really enjoy how I feel. I can get in the pool and just really enjoy it. And that was my why. So uh finding finding that why and I know a lot of people in this audience struggle with it because they've been in it a long time and they hit this menopause space and their bodies are like doing all these things and then it's not consistent and Mm. it can be frustrating and just and that too is where working with a coach can be really helpful who listen you know who listens and you can be like I was up all night with hot flashes and night sweats and I feel like this and you know you can sort of guide them to be like okay well the most productive thing we can do today is x you know and just keep yeah keep going yeah.
1: Yeah. Your training, you know, to some may look very unconventional, but it was purposeful for you. And and that's what's important for every athlete out there is to think about you and your coach need to figure out what's best for you, but you also have to trust it, right? You can't just always, as the athlete, say, this is what I need, right? It, it, you know, you need a coach that understands the physiology, understands the human side of, of sport. And I feel like we accomplished that. And and nothing makes me happier when i coach an athlete is if their journey is over or they no longer need coaching anymore that they still enjoy the sport that's very important to me that they're not selling all their equipment they're not <laughs> you know ready to give give it up that they finish it and they're like you know i still love swim bike and run maybe i'm not going to race you know, this next chapter, but I still will follow the sport. I still love the sport. I'm still going to volunteer. I'm still, you know, going to do short distance races, whatever, but they still have a love and a joy for traveling because it is a really great sport. Um, And I love the sport. I've been in it for a while and I'll stay in it. I'll never stop the swim, bike and run until my body, you know, won't let me anymore. Um, But in order to do that, I have to constantly find ways to keep myself healthy and to keep that spark alive.
0: 100%. Well, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom, and we'll drop uh, your information in the show notes so people can check you out, but I really appreciate you. Thank you, Mark. Yeah,
1: thank you so much.
0: Well, that's our show. Join me next week when I bring back what has become our resident hormone expert, Dr. Carla DiGirolamo, for a special show on cortisol, one of the most maligned and misunderstood hormones during and beyond this menopause transition. So come on back for that one. And until then, as always, stay feisty. You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause a feisty menopause podcast for active performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause. And please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends. And please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay feisty.